Like controller, controller, yeah. Like controller, controller, yeah. What's up, footy fans? Welcome to the third episode of Backyard Footy, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. That's bgn.fm on the internet, and you can also follow them on Twitter at the bgn.fm. I have my featured guest here with me, Luke Vercoloni. A little background on us. I played with Luke my rookie season in Richmond in 2014, which happened to be his last season there. We went on a 21-game unbeaten run and lost in the USL semifinals to Harrisburg City. He was our leader on and off the field and was the reason for our success. I learned a lot from him, and I still use many of the things he taught me then, today. We've kept in touch over the years, and we've always followed each other's seasons, and that's something I've always admired about him. His humbleness and passion for the game is something that we can all learn from. So without further ado, I welcome Luke Vergoloni. What's up, Luke? How's everything? Man, what an intro. <laughs> I forgot that was your rookie season. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like we played together for a while. I know, right? <laughs> All right. So how have you been enjoying Colorado these last couple of years? I've never been, so what's it like? Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, the mountains are beautiful. My wife's from Colorado, so oh, okay. we got gotcha. the opportunity out here. Um, we took it, and we plan on retiring here as well. Nice. Uh, she has siblings out here. We have a lot of cousins for our kiddos, so it's a great fit. Nice. How's the season been going so far for you guys? I saw you guys drew 0-0 against Reno this past weekend. You play the new Las Vegas Lights tomorrow. So talk about preparing for a new club that you guys haven't seen before in the league. Yeah, I mean, typically we, we dominate at home here. Let me uh, just end this call here. I don't know if the... Yep. How do I end that? Ignore or something like that. <clears throat> end and accept. Hold and accept. Well, hopefully, is it still filming? <laughs> it's still filming, yeah. I can't see you, oh, but I can hear you. Call coming in? Great. All right. Don't <laughs> anything on my screen, so I'll just keep talking. So, yeah, um, typically at home we dominate because we're at altitude. You know, right. um, we're used to it. The team isn't. So we have that advantage, and we really high press. And teams are, are starting to get a little bit more comfortable with it, um, so they've been putting up more of a fight. But this season we haven't, you know, been dominant at home as we typically do. So our season's been up and down so far. Right. We're about out here in the west but physically i feel great um i've been playing well i've been starting and i uh, got a goal and assist so far so i'm feeling good i'm, I'm very optimistic about our game coming up this friday too. good good i'm glad how's the usl changing your eyes both the both the positive and negatives now that it's continuously growing it's each and every been, year yeah it's been mostly positive i mean i entered the usl in 2006 i was in the mls in 04 and 05 in right. 2006 um I was with Charleston, six and seven. There was like 12 teams then, but it even dwindled down to like 10 teams for a little bit. Um, the kickers were always in it. Um, you know, they, they were always a strong club, still a great club. Right. Um, a while, but, you know, it's just, especially the last five years, it's just expanded, um, added more team, more teams. I think the MLS affiliation has been great, that partnership. And I think there's a ton of talent, um, a lot of young talent. Too. Uh, in the U.S., it, it's it's expand. I mean, soccer's expanding, the level is expanding, the league's expanding. Um, I think it's pretty much all positive. I've enjoyed the seasons longer, um, and then there's an east and west, so the travel right. is a little bit less. So, I think a lot of positives, and it looks like it's going to continue to grow and, and keep getting better and more professional every season, which is good. I agree too. So what's the difference between the East and the West? I've never been out in the Western Conference, really. So yeah. The had... West is, like, like, so much better, and the East just isn't very good. So <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> the, 
not much of a difference. I mean, I've been on both, right, with the kickers and then with uh, the springs. But, yeah, I mean, every club's different. Um, you have some clubs with big budgets, and those are right. typically have a bit more talent. And then you have some MLS affiliates. Those are usually uh, a little bit younger players. Mm-hmm. Um, but the level's good. I mean, every team wants to win. Every team wants to field the most competitive team possible. So I, I think on, on both sides, it's pretty comparable. And then also very good good level so you guys travel a lot more though because the space like in comparison to the east where a lot of the cities are within driving distance but on the west coast is very spread out so you guys travel and fly a good amount right i'd say that's yeah, the biggest difference there's not there's nothing really close to colorado springs you know we're always driving right uh i mean we're always driving to denver and flying out of there just because you know everything the closest drive would be like 12 hours wow how far are you from denver I like an hour. Okay, hour and a half. that's not bad. Or not too bad. But it's a full day, you know. You drive there, you wait for your flight. Right, yeah. right. Which we, for in Richmond, we're on the sleeper bus. I mean, <laughs> you get on that thing after a game and you go to sleep, you wake up and you're back home. Yep, so it's yep. a day to travel. You guys, you guys drive still? We drive for the most part, yeah. I'd say besides like Tampa and a few other places, we fly obviously, but for the most part, we're in the middle of everything, so we drive for the most part. Cool. So yeah, let's talk. I missed, mm-hmm. missed that a little bit, but uh, the good thing is when we do go for those road trips, my wife has family here, though, they get to hang out, so it's all good. Right, that's the best part. That's awesome. So let's talk about your journey a little bit. You went to Seton Hall, New Jersey, then got drafted 42nd overall in the 2004 MLS draft. Talk about that experience, and did Seton Hall help you at all to get drafted? I mean, they were they were the platform. They helped me develop a lot. So in that regard, yes. Um, but I got invited to the soup, or what is it called, the combine? Yeah. Um, the super draft after that. So um, I, you know, I th- I think what helped me a, a lot. I played PDL as well for the Cape Cod Crusaders um, in my in the summers. You know, right. PDL league. Uh, and we actually won two national championships, so we had a really good team. Uh, some of the guys, like Bulo was on it, yeah. some of those guys we played with. We were, we were really good, man. So we won a couple national championships, and that was like training when I wasn't training at Seton Hall. So I had full year-round soccer, which was great, helped me get better. Um, had had a really good career at Seton Years Pro, mostly on the bench, got loaned out, played a little bit with... Um, some of the USL teams. It was there was a New Hampshire, a Vermont Voltage. Now it was it New Hampshire. Right at the time, oh, I forget the Phantoms or something. <laughs> Way back now. But then, then when I when I settled into the Charleston Battery in the USL, I really enjoyed that because I was playing a lot and playing well, and that's um, that really gave me the passion back because sitting on the bench is, is of course is really you always want to be out there. Um, the MLS was a cool experience, but. Um, you want to be playing. You of know? course, of course. Let's talk about the college game a little bit. I've known, and I'm sure you know, a lot of players that have grown up through the academies and playing with the clubs, and everyone wants, wants to go to college and become a pro, but some a lot of players get caught up in the college lifestyle and they don't make it, or you know, the college game in itself is a very different game than the, than the professional environment. So do you think it's beneficial for U.S. soccer if we're trying to compete with the rest of the world? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it's a good system in terms of being able to compete with the rest of the world. I mean, I think academically, it's probably a good idea. Right. But, I mean, it depends on priorities. If if you're looking for the best 
academic advantage, then yes, go to college. But if you're looking for the best soccer advantage, we got to provide a better competitive environment for the kids at that age because it everywhere else in the world they're getting more yep. you know they're playing pro at that age yep. you know I getting agree. Some, they're getting some serious competition so yeah in terms of u.s soccer if we want to compete and do better we need to improve how we develop players from age 17 to 21 right. you know that age group right very important so what was it like playing in the MLS your first two seasons? I know it must have been a tough transition kind of going from the college game and then the big leap right to the MLS. I know you're saying you didn't play too much, but I'm sure just being around top professionals and being around the major league environment was definitely an eye-opener. Yeah, that professional environment was really cool. You know, the travel experience, the food, um, all that, those little <laughs> details is, is was really neat. Um, playing with really big-name players like Taylor Twelman and Clint Dempsey, wow. Steve Ross, Pat Reese, um, wow. a lot of really that are still involved in the game you know yeah. Pat Noonan we had a great team we we won the regular season in 2005 and made the MLS finals in 2005 and um <clears throat> definitely a, a good experience um in terms of the the um overall professionalism right but in terms of the playing it was tough because I you know coming out of college I was I was good at college mm-hmm. but I wasn't good in the MLS mm-hmm. you know I wasn't at that level um definitely not then I mean I, I've learned a lot playing in the pros so um, but even in the off seasons, I've trained with with DC United. I went on a off season trip with them in the Rapids. I played on the reserve league in the, in the off seasons and stuff. So that professional environment is awesome, and right. I see the MLS continuing to get more professional and get even better as they expand and grow too, which is is fun to watch. But right. it was it was a lot of learning and um, some good experiences. But playing wise, it wasn't as enjoyable as being on the field. You know, right. Right, of course. What were some of your favorite memories being in the MLS and being with the guys like them, seeing them, twelve, 12 yeah, men, and all those guys? I really, I, I mean, I remember the friendships. I remember um, Dempsey, and I, we had a, a good relationship, which was really cool. And to watch him and follow him and see right. how he's done throughout his career has been awesome. Um, making the MLS Cup Finals in two thousand five was cool. Of course. Um, one of my favorite things though was, was being near home because I grew up in Massachusetts, so. Um, inviting my family yeah, and friends. Yeah, that's awesome. They would all come out, and uh, and that was really cool, too. Uh, even at halftime, I would call that, that would be my performance when I go out on the field <laughs> or kick the ball around at halftime. They thought that was neat. So, <laughs> you know, take what you can get. But, uh, no, that those things were those things were very cool, and I learned a lot from it, so right. it's good. So how did you end up in Charleston in 06 from there? I was just graduating middle school at that time. <laughs> Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> did you have an agent or somebody, or did you? How did that happen? I had an agent, yeah, David Williamson. He's been helpful, great dude. We keep in touch. Um, so they were interested in me from the combine, Charleston, from from years past. Then when I was a free agent, they jumped on 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 me at um, signing there. So I signed there. Um, they, you know, they, they were interested right away. Like I said, my agent helped me out with that. And then that's another beautiful city. Like Colorado Springs right. is really, Carlson is awesome too. I really enjoyed my time there. Um, and in the stadium suite, as you know, right. and, uh, the city's city's really nice. So that was, that was cool. I played two years there and that was a time where I, I, I got to play a lot again and, and just rekindle that passion for the yep. game, which was cool. Had some success on the field there as well. Wow. That's awesome. So from there, then you went to Richmond and played there for the next seven years. How did that really groom your career? 
I feel like the game the game experience is, is really hard to emulate. And so just to play so many games, I mean, it was crazy back then in the USL. There would sometimes be like three games in five yeah, days. Yeah, so talk about, sorry, talk about the USL back then. And what was that like? Remember, did you play any of that, like a back-to-back? Yeah, we did a Harrisburg-Rochester trip one time. Yeah. And it was like just one Tuesday, yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, right? So they used to have like... Each team would have to do a minimum of four back-to-back games just to make it even because games were like traveling from like Orange County right. onto the East Coast and they'd play a bunch of games and like teams were traveling from like Bermuda right. or uh, Puerto Rico and stuff. So it was it was very interesting. I mean, they're they're a young league trying to survive. I mean, I guess not that young, but you know, in terms of a business model, trying to be efficient and, and make a make it survive and make it financially make sense for them but it didn't really make sense for the players right we played three games in five days craziness no problem and i was able to back then i definitely wouldn't be able to now (laughs) but just playing so many game minutes um that was really helpful for me the long season the off season was a bit long for me yeah but um yeah i settled i settled in richmond i mean it was a transition time Uh, i got married uh started having children and um building building mighty kicks that's where it all began 2008 so 10 years ago and i'm very thankful for that time um whereas i loved playing i developed as a player through all those game minutes but the focus was more on my family and then building business on the side so that makes uh, sense yeah richmond was a great fit for that and then you guys won the usl in 09 right yeah how was that experience that was against charlotte at home so that was cool um, yeah, that was really cool. I mean, to do it at home, I know Bulo had a, had a great game. I think he got man of the match. I love that man. He, we I played know, together. me too. He's just such a, such a fun guy, such yeah. a good guy. We played together way back in PDL, and then we came back together in the USL, so it was really cool. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, my first USL championship, hopefully get another one this season. But uh, it, it was cool. You know, winning's always fun. It's great to do it at, at home in front of my family and in front right. of home crowd. We remember remember that night well my wife was pregnant and got still got the hardware so yeah cool. that's awesome memory you never forget mm-hmm. so then in 2014 you were the first ever signing for the colorado switchbacks in colorado what kind of made you make that transition and the leap to the west coast yeah so we were we looked out here in the off season in uh 13 and 14 so in 13 i went back uh with the kickers right in the when they annu- and I was planning on retiring because we we're already settled out in Colorado. But when they announced the switchbacks, we'd been in touch with Steve Trichu right away, gotcha. the head coach. And right when the season ended, we were in touch, and I was their first player signed, and we were just so excited because it was either step away from the game because we'd always want to raise our kids here in Colorado near family, and it was yeah. either step away, and raise the kids here, or play and raise the kids here. So it was just icing on the cake and a no-brainer for us. And yeah. It's been it's been smooth sailing and, and really good. You know, we've gotten very settled here in the community. Nice. My wife, my kids, they're all very comfortable and happy here and have friends and family. So it's been good. Right. That's awesome, man. I didn't know it was like that, that you guys had a family and everything. I just remember you taking the leap. And I was like, man, this is going all the way to the West Coast. I, was, I don't yeah. know how he's going to transition with his family and everything. But that's awesome. I had no idea about that. So yeah. T- and I grew up on the East Coast, Massachusetts, so yeah. it, it was a change. But, I mean, we got married out here in Colorado, and it's beautiful here, so yeah, it wasn't yeah. hard. Oh, yeah. 
Talk about the transitions from multiple teams and different organizations in the USL. You've been on plenty of teams in the USL already. So talk about the transition, different coaches, organization, the styles, and all those things. Yeah, every team's a little bit different. A lot of it has to do with the coach. But it's funny, when I was with Charleston, I mean, they still have the same coach. You know, Kalashaw is still the same coach at Richmond yeah. and Trichu. So there hasn't been a lot of coaching transitions. I've had three different USL teams. Um you know, between Charleston, Richmond, and, and switchbacks here. And, and, yeah, every team has their own culture and their own, own style and brand, especially, I mean, it, it starts with the leadership of the coach, but the players. I mean, I've been, I was a staple at, at Richmond for a while, you know, with right. Deli and Sasha yeah. and Kalunji and Yombi and, and yourself. You were there for a bit, too. Yeah. But you had that core group of guys, um, and that really creates a culture, you know, just their personalities and the way that they play. Right. Um, it, it translates. Um, it, it relates to the other players too, and, and it builds their reputation around the league. Right. Uh, Charleston, I remember them. They're a bunch of bad boys and you know, <laughs> cruisers, and I'm, I'm sure that you know with their English style coaching, I'm sure that they still have that reputation a little bit. But out here, uh, we call ourselves a blue collar team and a bunch of tryhards, and we're just. Uh, the effort is, is high out here in um, it's not always the prettiest soccer I think last year we were we had like the lowest possession rating <laughs> we had like the fifth most, most goals in the league though you know so right. um, this year we're struggling to find the net and actually doing really well in possession but um, we, we still have that core group and that mentality of, of working hard and effort so we do that out here we're usually high pressing team um, not sitting back so much you know um, and and not always looking pretty, but getting results. So that that's kind of like blue collar is, is, is kind right. of our reputation out here. So do you try to emulate any cultures that you've learned from either Richmond or Charleston or New England and try to bring that and install that here with the switchbacks with you being the leader? Yeah, definitely. And I, I was capped a few years out here. And I think with the, the growth mindset, there's been a lot of great developments on that and just you know the mindset of getting better each and every day right. so never satisfied never being complacent not thinking and, and, and you see that sometimes with players especially if they come down from the mls and thinking like oh usl now usl has got a, a decent reputation but i right. remember we guys on loan or we get players who played or didn't play but like sat on the bench in the mls the year before and they thought they were really good <laughs> but the usl is good man and, and, and right. just because you're lost doesn't mean you're going to make it in the usl or, or have a successful career so uh, having that growth mindset, uh, meaning that, you know, getting better every day and yeah. focusing on that um, and instilling that in the team, um, we've been able to do that. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I think all those clubs, uh, especially the leadership, for the most part, has embraced that. I mean, if you're a prima donna thinking that, you know, you're too good for this league or, or that um, you've made it and you're not interested in getting better, you're not going to survive long. So right. I think that's one thing that I try to instill in, in the culture out here. Um, and, then, and then one other thing is just, you know, being good people because you want to be around good yeah. people and ultimately it comes back to you. And yeah. so just having good life skills and good character traits, strong character, you know, being honest, being having good integrity, um, you know, even out here, which is neat. Like our team does a prayer before the game. Yeah. We have a chat. Stuff. So that's pretty cool. I know in Charles in, in Richmond, we would do that with a group of yeah. guys that, as you know, right. But I, that's one of the things um, that's really cool that, that you know that there's a standard outside of just yourself, like of right and wrong, you know, right. and, and knowing that you're held accountable to that. You know that the other guys on the team 
adhere to that standard as well. So I think right. that helps in the difference. Yeah, that's something I learned when I first came to Richmond that first year, that culture and with all you guys, you know, praying before the games just installing the culture right away and that everyone kind of fit in like as a family no matter how many times we kind of bumped head with leaves or whatever we all knew it was love but we all had each other and that's what kind of i feel like pushed us to have that 21 game unbeaten run where i felt like we'd never lose a game at that point and then just still just having the success that we had as a club yeah i can definitely see that that was sick that was a great run yeah. <laughs> I mean, how did that happen i mean you end up down at, i mean we're in the middle of this run we're away from home down a goal and we're like all right, we're I know, play. seriously, like, always <laughs> knew we were going to tie or win that game. It was yeah. crazy. Exactly. So what's it been like having to provide for a large family like yours? You said you had your first one in Richmond, but I know a lot of people in the USL either quit playing soccer because they have a family coming along because they're not able to support their family through financial reasons in the USL, or, you know, they go through the grind and trying to provide for the family, but you're well experienced in that. So talk about that, having to provide for a family. Yeah. Having a family is not always conducive to a, a minor league soccer yeah. lifestyle you know, and salary either. So I've had to be creative. And, and fortunately, uh, thanks be to God, um, I've created some businesses that have definitely provided for us. So it's been awesome. So in Richmond, I started Mighty Kicks. Yeah. And that's an introductory soccer program. And one of the unique things we do is we bring it to preschools, daycares, and element, uh, child care centers, even elementary schools as well. And then in 2012, so I started in 2008, um, I was coaching with the club as well. So I knew, like, I got married in 2008. I knew, like, if I want to keep playing soccer, which I did, um, and provide for my family, and I always wanted my wife to be home with the kids, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm going to need to provide some more revenue. So I was doing coaching with the kickers, but then my wife was actually working at childcare, and I brought soccer there, and it worked out really well. So um, we started in 2008, Mighty Kicks in Richmond, and now we franchise it in 2012. Wow. We're in over 40 regions across the U.S., 25 different states. Wow. So how did yes. you, do, how'd you market that and brand your business out there in all these different states? Um, the internet, fortunately. Yeah. Uh, we posted and we uh, some word of mouth, too, yeah. which is cool. And people are coming to us instead of us reaching out. Um, which is good. People are starting to recognize the name Mighty Kicks. We've established a brand and a good reputation, and we're not just teaching introductory soccer in a fun, effective way, but we're also teaching life skills that go along with the curriculum, so that's cool, too. Right. So able to do that. I was coaching it a bit, but then, you know, it, it actually fit for the kickers, too, because we've got a lot of the guys coaching um, a lot of the sessions, Right. and it can help with the players. But now the players are a little more full-time mindset, Um I don't know how it is out in Pennsylvania, but are, are most of the guys kind of like full-time players and, and not doing much on the side or what? Um, out here, a lot of us are coaching as full-time players, of course, but here's a lot of coaching. But out in Bethlehem, there's no coaching at all. That was 100% full-time players, but in Richmond and in here, it's mostly you want, if you want a second income, you're definitely doing coaching. They provide a lot of coaching here. Okay, yeah. Well, but yeah, that's cool, and that's what you need. You need to be creative too, and, and yeah. we have guys kind of starting their own thing. And I love what you're doing here with this podcast. And Appreciate it. Creative, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, the franchising with Mighty Kicks is, is taken off and done really well, and allowed my wife to be home with the kids and allowed me to keep playing soccer, you know, and, and do what I love. And then we started when we moved out here. Um, when was it? Uh, two years ago, so about 2015, 2016, yeah, probably 2016, we started Pro Performance, which is a mentorship and mental training um, online curriculum 
we're using the stories and experience of pro players and impacting the next generation through that. So that's been really cool too. Yeah, talk about um, pro performance a little bit. I was going to say, um, <clears throat> you know, people don't really understand in general that this sport that we're doing, professional we're doing right now, is not going to last forever. So a lot of us players have been setting ourselves up for the future. And like you said, you have your franchise, Mighty Kicks. So talk about pro, pro performance as well. Yeah, so even one of my teammates, he, he has a, a software and tech background, and, and he, he developed this amazing software to deliver an awesome curriculum with videos and, and a lot of different um, you know picture quotes and gifs and all that good stuff, question and answers. And right. so we, put together, we got together with some sports psychologists, put together an amazing curriculum, and then infuse that curriculum with stories from, from pro players that relate to the content because the mental game is so important, yeah. but it's also your service. You know, it, in the U.S., like I know in, in Europe, every every big team has a performance psychologist on staff, you know. Right. It doesn't fit our club model here in the U.S., but that's why, you know, this program does fit the club model. You know, it's affordable and it, it's online and it's um, it's it's stories. It's not just the psychologist sharing their story and this is the content, you know, but it's engaging the kids by hearing the content delivered through pro players and their stories. Right. Because kids are going to pro players, you know. Um, so leveraging that platform that we have and using it to give back and share your experience. And that's been really cool. I mean, yesterday I did a virtual call with a team, uh, a high school team. And then last night we were out at the local club talking to the kids there and just able to talk wow. to share your story and, and help them. Um, it's been really cool. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know all that. Yeah, I definitely think the mental aspect, not only in the sport that we're doing now, but definitely in life in general, the men mental aspect of the mental toughness of everything, the grind and everything you're doing is some of the, one of the most important things in life. So it's awesome what you guys are doing. I've actually been reading up on the, you guys and following along and stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to start this platform here, because kids in general, they love to listen to professionals, like you said, and they need real experiences from real people you know when you're a kid you don't really listen to your parents at all so to hear from us professionals i think it's gonna go a long way as well so, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. so uso also did an article on you about other and, and some other players in the league it's called from the pitch so talk about that and how did that start up how did the uso contact you and things yeah they just reached out to me and asked if i'd be interested in giving back and getting involved and i said yeah so it was no problem and uh they just kind of give me the subject and asked me to write about it and, uh, oh so you wrote it yeah i shared just two stories i think one's coming out of mother's day one and the last one was just about my story and about you know giving back and i guess i think right. the theme was uh motivated to impact you know as at my age and at my place in my career you know it's not just about winning games and scoring goals but more about utilizing the platform the the gifts and talents god's given me yeah. and impact the next generation impact my family and help and benefit you know the community in any way that i can so whether it's through mighty kicks or pro performance or uh the switchbacks i'm just i'm motivated to to inspire and impact the, the next generation of players same same for me as well so do you still work for Avocare? I know it's the main sponsor for MLS, and I remember we were working together on that, and I've even seen and, fit and still feel results using Avocare as well. So do you still work for them? I still use the products. I don't really promote them much, but uh, I, with Pro Performance, I was doing some nutritional consulting, as you know. Uh -huh. And as I was talking to these players, it, was, it turned into more of like mentoring, sharing my story and whatnot. 
so the the platform or the the model changed from like nutritional consulting and then to like mentorship and then to mental psychological consulting or or mentorship and mental training combined and that's where the the pro performance so when i partnered up with james ryan and jordan burt the uh-huh. nutritional consulting had then changed into the the mentorship and mental training so Got now you. no more no more nutritional consulting but that is very important um you know be healthy take care of your body especially if you want to uh, right talk about that area. for up and coming professionals and things how important is it to be you know taking care of your body and the nutrition you put into your body and those kind of things yeah and you mentioned the uh college lifestyle earlier you know, how right. that can be a, a challenge and that can compete with with our goals and our dreams you know yeah. if, if you're college or if you're you know aspiring player um, it takes a lot of discipline. I always tell yeah. the players that I'm talking with them and say, don't tell me how bad you want to be a pro. Show me what you're willing to sacrifice yeah. to get there. Yeah. And it takes a lot of sacrifice and discipline, whereas you might have this instant gratification, you know, this party, this good time, or this cheeseburger or ice cream, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, right. But you're, you're saying no. You're not just saying no to that, but you're saying yes to your, your dream there of being that pro and that requires saying no to those little things and forming those habits over time i mean it might sound something small like oh, i'm going to have a glass of water instead of a glass of coke um but over time you know that adds up in, in that mi- mindset so i think it starts with the mindset um just having your priorities have being motivated and being disciplined to get there so having an idea of what you want having a path to get there and then executing that path, executing that plan. So it's not just like I want to be a pro, but this is how I'm going to get there. This is my, you know, my <clears throat> my two year plan. These are my, you know, two week goals, my my right. monthly goals, and staying disciplined and true to that path. Yeah, that's awesome. I agree. <laughs> I feel the same exact way because, like you said, discipline is some of the most important things that you ever character traits you can ever have in life. So. How has religion also helped your game? I see you're wearing a Be a Saint shirt. You're wearing your WWJD bracelet. I'm wearing a cross as well. I see the cross in the background and things. So for me, I know it's been, still is the most important thing in my life. And without here, without God driving me and, you know, being a faithful person, no matter what obstacles are kind of thrown your way, you're able to have that faith. So talk about talk about that for you and your perspective in life and how that's helped you in your journey. Yeah, it's totally helped. I mean, it's helped in every area of my life. And it's, you know, as a Christian, as a believer, it's not like, you know, I go to church and I'm religious then, and then I'm a soccer player and right. I'm a father. But no, at the center of everything is God. Yeah. And uh, when when he is <laughs> the center of everything, I mean, I slip and I fall, and, and I don't always pursue God first and foremost. But when I do, everything falls into place and everything takes care of itself. I agree. It helps so much with perspective, you know, like as an athlete, your career, you're going up and down every weekend, you yeah. know, you're, you're win, you lose, you, you know, you lose, you feel terrible. But when you have that perspective and you know, uh, you, you may not know your plans, but you know that they're in, you know, who holds them, you know, you know they're in mm-hmm. hands and that, that hope and that faith that can carry you through anything. And I, I don't know where I would be without religion because it's been such an important part of my life. Yeah. Because, I mean, as an athlete and as a father, you go through certain challenges. I mean, a few years ago, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And, you know, my faith gave us so much grace and peace, but we had so many people praying for us, and, and she was actually miraculously wow. um, wow. cured awesome. to a degree chemo or radiation, and they're just, they're still keeping an eye on it. But she's, you know, the, an, an original diagnosis was, was very 
right. life-threatening and she's doing phenomenal now. So she's that's just man. one example, but I could give you hundreds of examples of, course. of how fits my life. And, you know, it to me, to me, God's everything. And it's like, it's about when I allow him to be the center of everything is when things work the best. So right. that definitely acts soccer as well. And you've also ta- um, taught and spoken some churches and some events as well, right? Yeah, I love being able to share my testimony and just uh, I, I do I do a fair amount of that. Um, the, our local church they had a confirmation class the other day, and I even started the, the whole Be a Saint platform and I share some YouTube videos and some Instagram and stuff. So, I mean, I just feel awesome. a calling. I, yeah, I feel like our our platform to play is probably a great op- an awesome opportunity to witness, but. I would love to be able to just speak to people about Jesus all the time, right. too. But I don't know if it'll pay the bills, but I do, <laughs> when I, can. I do it when I can. So what advice do you have for some players who have, who have aspirations to be a pro and also for young players who are still in the academy and the club system? You know, they have the biggest dreams, but they don't really understand the mental grind and the toughness. So what advice do you have for some players? Uh, I think the environment is really important. You know, be in the best environment that you can, meaning that the best coaching, the best players that you can surround yourself with. Uh, but but understand that it's a lot of sacrifice and it's a lot of work. So right. be willing and committed to that. Um, it's not, as you know, Q, it's not always the most talented guys that make it. Yeah. And it's definitely not always the t- most talented guys that survive. Um, it's the one who wants it more, yeah. the one who's willing to form those habits, those daily disciplines, um, over and over again, those are the guys who make it. So that's my encouragement. I mean, I think I, I really think it starts it starts up here. You yep. know, that motivation, that discipline, that desire, that grit, that determination. Right. Those things are the foundation that you're going to build on a successful pro- career. Every pro player, or at least every successful one, when you talk to them, they'll tell you the importance of the mental game. They'll tell you yep. the importance of the game because. One thing that we all have in common is that we've all failed. Yeah. And it's not about not failing, but it's about how you respond to it. Right. If you can have a positive relationship with failure and understand that that's your vehicle to get better, right. then that's be really beneficial as well. I agree with that. And that goes back to your pro performance and the mental aspect of the game we were just talking about because, like you said, it's the most important thing to get us to where we are right now. That's right. Absolutely. So, Luke, I appreciate you coming on. It's been an amazing time talking to you for my third episode. Good luck the rest of the season. And I'll talk to you soon, footy fans. The new episode is coming out very soon.